Well, good morning. My name is Jody, and I'm the senior pastor here at The Adventure. And if you are a guest with us, I just want to ask for forgiveness. First of all, I just want to cover a little bit of family business before we get into the message. And, and that is simply that, um, for those of you who don't know, my husband passed away a year and a half ago. And so we have been through a lot as a family, as a body, as a church. And I just want to, I want to commend those of you who have been through the pain. And I just feel that we have really, we have grown so much in our love for one another. And it's so evident to me. And when I look around and, and see how you guys are loving one another, it just, it overwhelms me and it blesses my heart. So I believe that even to the extent of the sorrow we've experienced, we have also experienced a depth in our love. And you know the Bible says that, that they will know us, that the non-believing world will know that we are Christians when they see the love that we have for one another. And so I just, I want to commend you first and foremost. And then I also want to warn you because you know that the evil one is always plotting against us. He's always plotting to hurt us. So, you know, when you start to grow in a relationship with, with people, a lot of times what will happen is you will you will begin to feel a little distance maybe. You'll maybe get a little bit paranoid. Um, you'll maybe get a little critical or whatever. I just want you to guard your heart against that, against those things. And if you have those divisive thoughts or whatever that comes in your mind or you, or you get paranoid, you're like, I wonder if they're gossiping about me. Okay, I can pretty much assure you that they are. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know... There are people that are gossiping about me, but the fact of the matter is we want to stand right before God in our relationships, even in our hearts and in our thoughts. So if those, those feelings of paranoia or the, the, the idea that, you know, maybe that person doesn't like you or they're mad at you, just love freely anyway, okay? That's your little public service announcement for now. So anyway, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are so good. Lord, I thank you that you are love. Lord, I thank you that you have promised us that, Lord, that you would make us one. Even as you and Jesus are one. Jesus, you prayed that in the garden, that, that we would become one. Make us one. Make us one in purpose, Lord, and one in vision, and one in love for one another, God. I just pray for this message that you would soften the hearts of the hearers, Lord, that you would bring profound change, bring insight into the truths of your word. I ask, God, that you would let them hear only what your spirit is speaking to each and every one of them, and I pray for your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've already made it to chapter 6 of Matthew. We're doing the Sermon on the Mount, and chapter 6 is the one that starts out... Um, with Jesus talking about giving and not being hypocritical and the rewards that we can get and, and how to do things in secret between him and us. And so as we go into this, uh, we're going we're gonna to discuss certain issues that are a little bit strange. For example, hypocrisy. We're going to talk about what is hypocrisy. We're going to talk about what does the Bible say about rewards. And we're going to talk about what does it mean to, to give things in secret or to do things in secret. So we're going to start out, uh, if you have a Bible with you, or you want to look on your smartphone, if you, if you aren't reading the New Living Translation, which is 
the translation that I take most of these passages from. If, they, if not, I'll have it marked on the screen. You'll see what the version was. But this is from the New Living Translation, and that's, that's the... I try to tra- uh, change the translations every year, and this is the one that I've, I'm reading this year. Um, it's not a perfect translation, but it's, it's pretty readable, and that's what I like about it. So let's go to Matthew 6. And this is Jesus. To give you a little context, he's talking to his followers. Remember, this is a sermon. He went up onto the mountain, and he is talking to disciples, to believers. And so this is us. He's talking to us. So he says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private. And your father, who sees everything, will reward you. So I'm going to be throwing out a lot of verses today, a lot of scripture. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping that you'll be able to understand really what the Bible speaks about this particular topic and how to live a life between you and God. Um, the first thing we're going to talk about, remember Jesus says, when you, when you do these things, when you're, you give your alms, which is really uh, showing mercy and compassion, to the poor in that particular context. But essentially he's talking about whenever you give or whenever you do something, don't do it to get the praise of other people. And he says, don't be like the hypocrites. Now you hear a lot of uh, non-believers, their their main reason that non-believers don't want to come to church is because, why? Yeah, there's too many hypocrites in church, right? I'm not going to church. There, There are too many hypocrites. Well, there are a lot of hypocrites at Starbucks, too. (laughs) There's a lot of hypocrites at whatever job or whatever neighborhood or whatever. Wherever we are, there are going to be a lot of hypocrites, right? But the only place you can find freedom from that hypocrisy is through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. You can actually find freedom from hypocrisy. So what is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is just simply pretending to be someone you're not. It's being a phony. It's being fake. And it says, Jesus says, watch out. In the King James, it says, take heed. And what that word means is it it means to devote yourself to or to to be really aware of this, to be acutely aware of this. It's proskeo, which means like uh, to be really careful as in when you, when you're docking a a ship or a boat coming into the port to be that careful and to be that cautious. So I grew up in Minnesota and anybody know the slogan for Minnesota? Land of 10,000 lakes. So I grew up on the water, not literally on the water, but I grew up being out on a boat and driving boats and skiing and all kinds of things. And you, how many of you have ever tried to dock a boat or a ship? It can be a bit of a challenge, am I right? And I, so many times when I was a reckless teenager, 
I, <laughs> I would try to, you know, bring the boat into the dock, and you really have to maneuver everything just right. You have to do it just right so that you find that, that little area where you can pull the, the boat in, and so many times I would miss it. I'd either overshoot it and have to back up or, you know, have to row my way in or hit the dock on the way in, and this is what Jesus is comparing this word to. It's like, be really, really attentive to get right into that that zone where you're not being a phony, where you're being authentic, you're being yourself. And it's an ongoing command. He's saying that we have to be ongoingly careful about not doing this to get the praise of human beings because he knows our nature. He knows what makes us tick. And so this is something that can really easily ensnare us. Um, it's, It's... the original word for hypocrite is like an actor. Because back in those days, you know, they didn't have the great sets and lights and costumes and everything. What they did was they would use masks to encapsulate whatever their emotion was or whatever they were supposed to be portraying at the time, like this. And the original language is hypocrites, And it's, it's just putting a mask on covering up who you really are so that people can't see who the actor is. All they would see is the mask because that's what masks do. They cover up who we really are. One of the most common masks that we're all probably aware of is this next one, that one. Okay, any Star Wars fans? No? Okay, we have three of you. Really? Wow. I'm glad I didn't say Star Trek. (laughs) Star Wars. Okay, so Darth Vader is like, he had some secrets. Did he not? Right? Nobody knew who the guy really was. Luke, I am your father. (laughs) Right? So that's probably one of the the most common masks that we're aware of. The next one is of my barista. Yeah, it's Starbucks. No, not really. How many of you know that that's a, that's a human being, but he has a lot of makeup on and he has a mask on? How many of you would be able to recognize what this actor really looks like if he didn't have all that, those teeth? <laughs> Remember to floss every day. So, <laughs> Isn't he scary? He's an orc from the Lord of the Rings. I wanted to post a picture of a clown, but I thought that was too far. That was too creepy. What's the thing with, what's the deal with clowns? Why are they so creepy? Because of the Joker, yeah. Want to know how I got all these scars? Um, anyway, um, I need to, get, need to get back on track. Um, when we lived in California, our neighbor was a clown. And uh, he, he had a big gold Chevy van with no windows. Jojo the Clown. And I always tell the kids... Don't ever go to Jojo's house <laughs> and don't ever go in his van. <laughs> Jojo the clown. So, but what's the scary thing about clowns? You can't, nothing? <laughs> Did you really say that? <laughs> clowns, you don't know what's really going on underneath all of that makeup, underneath that mask. That's what hypocrisy is compared to. People see something on the outside, but they don't know what's really going on 
in that person or in their heart. And Jesus is saying, be super careful not to be like that. Don't be like that. Don't give as they give just to get honor, just to get praise, just to get some compliments. Um, years ago, that's the title of the message, Secret Investments, Keeping It Between Myself and God. Uh, years ago, after when I first got saved, when I first became a Christian, there was this huge scandal of this particular couple, speaking of masks, um, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, how many of you can remember them? How many of you were even born then? Um, they had this mega, mega, mega ministry. They had the Praise of the Lord Club. And they had, they had these theme parks and everything. And now, I had just become a believer. And this huge scandal broke. They were prosperity preachers, which means that they would say that if you do certain things and God owes you and God's going to bless you with tons of money and tons of, of comforts and everything and that that's just how God blesses us. But, I mean, if you take that logic to the fullest extent, if money and comforts are really the only way God blesses us, then God definitely blesses the drug cartels, right? And he blesses the professional athletes who make millions of dollars and live however. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the prosperity doctrine is not biblical. And they fell into that whole thing, that whole trap. They led so many people astray. And so here I am. I was, uh, at the time I was playing piano at a Hilton and one of the bartenders came up to me and he goes, so what's this about? Because he knew I was a Christian. He's like, what's this about Jim Baker? What's this about your buddy Jim Baker? I'm like, I don't serve Jim Baker. I serve Jesus. I don't know what's going on with Jim Baker. But after that happened, uh, it created a lot of, of really serious issues for true believers, for true Christians. People stopped stop trusting other Christians. The world really started to think all Christians were hypocrites because this was their example. I mean, it was on the front page of all the newspapers and everything. But Jim Baker ended up doing time in prison. He went to prison for a lot of the wrongs that he committed. And while he was in prison, he realized, he said, the more I studied the Bible, I had to admit that the prosperity message did not line up with the tenor of scripture. My heart was crushed to think that I had led so many people astray. I was appalled that I could have been so wrong. I was deeply grateful that God had not struck me dead as a false prophet. Do you know what the title of his book was? I was wrong. And you know, we went to a pastor's conference shortly after this whole controversy, and Jim Baker was the speaker. And, and everybody at first was kind of like, you know, just kind of closed and could not understand why in the world they would have Jim Baker come and speak to us. But the reason that he came and spoke to us is because he wanted to apologize. He just said, I am so sorry for what I did to your ministries. I'm so sorry for what I did to you personally. I'm sorry that I defamed the name of Jesus. See, when he was in prison, he started to actually read the Bible, not just pick out the sections that, that helped his ministry along. And he came across a section in 1 Timothy 6, and it says, 
People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Now get this. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money, which means the worship of money or the constantly thinking about money. So it can be on either end of the spectrum. Either you have tons and tons of money and you focus on it all the time or you have no money and you crave it. Whatever it is that you think about most is that which you worship. Okay, say that again. Whatever it is that you think most about is that which you worship. So it doesn't matter. You can still have a love of money and not have any. Or you can have tons and tons of money and be obsessed with it and think about it all the time and focus on it. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And that, that was the, actually the turning point for Jim Baker. When he read that passage, he was just like, this is totally me. He goes, I can't believe I missed this. And at the time, everybody was closed to him. Even after he came out, even after he wrote this book, even after he apologized, people were so closed. And this is the passage that I was thinking, you know, it's, it's so easy for us to look at that situation and just be so disgusted with his behavior and to forget the redemption of God Amen. and to forget that God is a God who can reach anybody. God is a God who wants to redeem everyone. And it says in Romans 14, why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. You know, the Bible talks a lot about rewards, believe it or not. People are always saying, oh, I don't, I don't care about the rewards. I just, I just want to just do it because I'm such a good person. But the thing is, Jesus talked about rewards. He talked about rewards actually quite a bit. He talked about rewards right now, and he talked about rewards in the future. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, We must all stand before Christ to be judged. And we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Is anybody else a little intimidated by this verse? <laughs> Woo. So let me clarify this now. We are not saved by our works. We are saved by what Jesus Christ did on the cross, period. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation, okay? Let's do the math. Jesus plus nothing. equals salvation, okay? There is nothing. It says we are, it is by grace we are saved through faith, not of our works, lest any person can boast, okay? We are not saved by our works. However... Jesus says we will be judged on what we've done. If you are a Christian, if you're a believer, if you've put your hope in the cross of Christ and what he did as a sacrifice, then you will stand before his judgment seat and you will be rewarded according to what you've done. That's, to me, that's a little intimidating. But of course, everything we do is motivated by our gratitude Amen? We're so grateful that he saved us. We're so thankful for, for what 
Jesus did for us on the cross, that we want to serve him and we want to honor him. But Jesus says in Matthew 6, when you give to someone in need, you notice how he says when? He doesn't say if. He's assuming that we're giving. Jesus just, I mean, that's just, he's thinking if you're my follower, I'm a generous God, so therefore you should be generous too. He says, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. They, will, they have received as much as they're going to get. It's the old pat on the back. That's it. That's the extent of it. By the way, uh, the, the whole thing about the trumpets, there's not really any evidence that there were actual trumpets um, outside of the synagogue when they would give. It's just, it's kind of talking about, it's kind of a colloquialism, like talking about tooting your own horn. You guys have heard that saying, don't toot your own horn. It's kind of like that. And the thing is, they did it, Jesus says they did it, to call attention to themselves. They, they did it for the praise of people. And the original word for that is, is doxazo, which means the, the extolation or the magnification or celebration that you can get from other people. And it just reminds me of like fireworks. You know, fireworks are amazing. And they go off and everybody's so impressed and they're so beautiful. But then what happens? That's exactly what the praise of humans is. You, it's really exciting and you're really, it's really great at, at the time. Like, wow, they really noticed me. But in the end, it just fizzles out. But Jesus says that the things we do in secret are the things that will last through eternity. These are the things that are going to last forever. And in Galatians 1.10, it says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, read this together, I would not be... A... Wow. I would not be a servant of Christ. If you're trying to please people and that's why you're doing things, if that's your motivation, then it, Jesus says that you are not a ser his servant. Actually, Paul wrote that. But in 1 Corinthians 4, it says, don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and he will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. If you have a choice of getting praise from God or praise from people, which one are you gonna choose? Yeah, let's go, let's go with plan A. Praise from God. Far better. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more too. But it says in um, Revelation 22, he says, look, I am coming. This is Jesus talking. I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. Jesus is coming back. And he will reward us according to what we have done. And he will reward us according to what's in our hearts because he knows all of our motives. He knows all of our secrets. He knows everything we think, everything we do, everything that motivates us. And it says in Romans 2, God will repay each person according to what they have done. Galatians 6, 9. Don't shut down if you've heard this one. 
Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, this isn't bad grammar when it says, you know, you're doing good. Oh, you're doing really good, because that's supposed to be you're doing well, okay? This is saying doing good things, okay? Don't grow weary in doing good things or good works. It's, it's not saying that this is going to win God's approval or this is going to get your way to heaven, but it's saying don't get tired of doing these things. Don't, don't stop doing good things. Why? For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And the thing is, you guys, if you do it unto the Lord, then it doesn't matter if nobody notices. It doesn't matter if nobody else appreciates it. I mean, the, the image that I get, having raised four kids, the image that I get is of God Watching that mommy change her baby's diaper and just so much affection for that mom that nobody's thanking. You know, for you young moms, don't grow weary in doing good and raising up your kids, training them up in the ways of the Lord. Do it between you and God. Because I can promise you those kids probably aren't going to thank you very often. They're probably not even going to notice a lot of the things that you're doing. But the sacrifices that you're making as you do it unto the Lord, God sees it. So be encouraged. Just be encouraged, you young parents or teachers, those of you who teach the little ones. Be encouraged. God sees what you're doing. Or for those of you who's, who go and serve maybe the elderly or the amazing team that serves the Jesus feeds, God sees this and he knows. And it's saying, don't, don't grow tired. Don't, go, don't get tired of doing it because you're going to reap a reward if you don't give up. Don't give up. That's what he's saying. He's, he's trying to encourage us to continue. Philippians 3, it says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward, in Christ Jesus. Proverbs eleven eighteen. the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. Matthew Henry said, the riches you impart form the only wealth you will always retain. I'm going to say that again. The riches you impart form the only wealth you will always retain. In other words, whatever you give away is the only thing that will last. What you spend on yourself and on your own pleasures, it won't last. It will provide a comfort for a season, but just like those fireworks, it will all fizzle out. Proverbs 3.27, don't withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. Luke 16, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources, your material possessions, your money, the stuff you have, use it to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. It's saying, be generous. Be the one who, when you walk into that restaurant, they're like, yes, I want to wait on them. Because you're gracious, and you're generous, and you tip well. Don't stiff your waiter, even if he's horrible. Remember, Eric used to say that, that tipping a horrible waiter is like the grace of God. That's exactly what grace is. They don't deserve a tip, 
but you give them a tip anyway. Use your worldly possessions to gain friends. Not, it's not, this isn't talking about bribing. This is talking about, you know, there's a proverb. It says that a gift opens the way for the giver. You know, when you walk into your local coffee shop or whatever it is, and, and the baristas all run into the back because you're, you're that person, you're that guy, that's really not a good representation of Christ. <laughs> you should be the one that when you walk in, they're all happy to see you, and they all co- want to talk to you because you're, you're kind to them. You treat them like human beings. You're, you're doing these good things toward them, and you tip them well. Tip extravagantly, okay? Be generous. What's that extra five bucks going to do for you? Seriously. Give it away. Give it unto God. And do it between you and the Lord. You know, when you reach into your pocket and you pull out that $5 bill or whatever and stick it in their tip jar, don't do it so they can see you. You know, do it and go, God, this is between you and me. And stick that $5 bill in that tip jar. Because you're already paying five bucks for a cup of coffee, so you might as well, right? Might as well tip just as big as you are spending on yourself. And again, Jesus assumes that we're givers. He also assumes that we're fasting, and he also assumes that we're praying, and we're going to be talking about that also. But he always assumes that, we're, that if we are his followers, we will be like him, and we will give, and we'll be generous, because he gave it all. He gave everything. He gave his life so that we could be reconciled to him. And the thing is, when I, when I got to this passage, because, you know, we're just going straight through just the whole Sermon on the Mount. And I thought, maybe, I don't know if I want to talk about money. I don't want to be misunderstood. It's like another reason that a lot of people don't want to come to church is they think, all they ever talk about is money. And Randy Alcorn, an author, said, were we the Bible's editors, we might be tempted to cut out much of what it says about money and possessions. Because anyone can see that the Bible devotes a disproportionate amount of space to the subject of money, right? When it comes to money and possessions, the Bible is sometimes redundant, often extreme, and occasionally shocking. It turns many readers away, making it a hard sell in today's marketplace, and it interferes with our lives, and it commits that unpardonable sin, which is that of making us feel guilty. (laughs) That's not really the unpardonable sin. Martin Luther said there are three conversations that a person needs to experience. Conversation of the head, conversation of the heart, and the conversation of the pocketbook. See, Jesus wasn't afraid to talk about money. He talked about money more than anything else except for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about money more than anything else. Half of his parables discussed money and possessions and stewardship issues. In the Gospels, one out of every 10 verses, 288 verses, deal with the subject of money. 500 verses are on prayer. Less than 500 are on faith. But guess how many verses there are about money in, just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Guess how many? 2,000. 2,000. So if we were not to talk about money in church, we wouldn't really be honoring the true spirit of the Bible, the whole Bible in context. And I think people get so uncomfortable talking about money because like Randy Alcorn said, it makes us feel guilty. 
you know, whenever the, the closer we get to that throne of grace, the more our own darkness is exposed, right? And the more we recognize that we are really attached to our money, we're really attached to our possessions, aren't we? Nudge the person next to you and go, you sure are. Five <laughs> percent of everything that Jesus taught was about money and possessions, more than even heaven and hell combined. So if Jesus is going to talk about it, we should talk about it too, right? If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us, right? And as a matter of fact, this is what he says about possessions. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Uh, my dad's aunt, Irene, <clears throat> excuse me, she was an elementary school teacher. And I didn't know her, but I knew that she had devoted her life to public education. And they actually, in Tucson, <clears throat> excuse me, there is an elementary school <clears throat> that's named after her, the Irene Erickson Elementary School. And so I had heard this. I'd heard this my whole life about my dad's Aunt Irene, and so I thought, I'm going to look this up. When I went to look it up, it was like it got terrible reviews, like they are one of the lowest in education in Arizona, and it just, the school just had this terrible reputation, and I just thought, how tragic is that? That they name a school after you, and then, ooh, it just tanks. And I just thought, isn't that like the praise of humans? That, that, you know, at the time, it's this amazing, awesome thing. But ultimately, like Jesus said, it's all, it's all going to burn. The things that we should be focusing on are things that are eternal. And there is eternity. There is eternity. And the question is, where, where are we going to spend it? Where am I going to spend eternity? Am I going to spend it with my Father in heaven? Or am I going to be separated permanently? from him. And that's an important question to be asking yourself, especially if you're an atheist or an agnostic. This is a consideration. I've had three near-death experiences, and I can tell you, when you come face-to-face -face with that door of death, you start to really change your perspectives pretty dramatically. It happens. It happens pretty immediately. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, there is a missionary, J. Oswald Sanders, and he says, the basic question is not how much of our money should we give to God, but how much of God's money should we keep for ourselves? Okay, the earth is the Lord's and everything that dwells in it. Everything belongs to God. He just lets us have money and possessions. And as a matter of fact, because of the fact that you're in this room, every single one of us is rich. We are all rich. I know you don't feel like you're rich, but I, I strongly doubt that anybody in here is wondering if they're going to have food for their next meal. And, and if you don't, we have a food pantry here and an amazing team that serves food to those who are in need. But every one of us is rich, and every one of us has the opportunity to give generously. Jesus wouldn't have talked about this if he wouldn't have given us the opportunity to do it. Have you ever heard the saying, you can't outgive God? Have you heard that saying? Well, now you have. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. I dare you to try. 
I absolutely dare you to try. And James 2 says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Those of you who came out of the LDS church, you, you've heard this, faith, this passage quite a bit. Faith without works is dead. This is the context of that. It's saying you can say all day long that you have faith in God, but if you see somebody who's in need and you don't do anything to help them, how, in, in the first John it says, how can the love of God be in you? If you know someone has a need and you just kind of turn away from it because you don't want to be hassled by it. So you see, the thing is, Jesus even makes the case that we can lose our reward. It says we're going to be judged on what we've done, but it also says there is a possibility to lose your reward. In, in 2 John 1, it says, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you will receive your full reward. And in 1 Corinthians 3, it says, Put, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. You know, Ira was talking about some of those extreme shows that, what is it called? Extreme Ninja? Anybody? Help me out here. Ninja Warrior. <clears throat> and you see these shows and they've got the ring of fire and they're, you know, jumping through it or diving through it or riding a motorcycle through it or whatever. That's what this is talking about. It says they'll be saved. They're going to go to heaven, but it's going to be as, as someone who's escaping through the flames. Like, ah, I just made it. Like that. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Be the one that on the judgment day, Jesus says of you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Don't you want to be that one? I want to be that one. I want to be the one that when I stand and see him face to face, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And it's just between him and I. Be that be that believer. Don't be one who's escaping through the flames. In Philippians 2.3, Paul writes, do nothing. Say that word. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Consider others better than yourselves. This is basically saying be more concerned about the needs of other people than you are about yourself. Be looking out to bless other people. Look for opportunities to do that. Live a life that's free of self. Because remember, Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. But if you just save your life, if you seek to save your own life, you will surely lose it. There was a pastor once who asked his, or uh, a man who asked his pastor to pray that he would win the lottery. He said, Pastor, 
If I win the lottery, I will tithe on the amount that I win. And the pastor goes, absolutely. I will pray that for you as long as you start giving now. <laughs> Burn! <laughs> it's one escaping through the flames. That's the thing. It says, it says that in the Bible, and, and I'll get into this a little later, but it says that each one will determine in their own heart what they're going to do, how much they're going to give. Each one of us, I'm, I'm imploring you, determine that you are going to be a person of generosity between you and your dad, your perfect dad, your perfect heavenly father. And the thing is, it, the secrecy part of it is what makes it so fun. That's the part that's so fulfilling. When you just do it between you and the Lord and no one else knows. Have, have any of you ever thrown someone else a surprise party or given somebody something, a surprise, and you know that anticipation and that it's just so much fun to have that kind of a secret? To have a secret of, oh, I'm going to totally bless this person. It's the same thing when we do it unto God, when we do it just between us and the Lord. Matthew 6, 3 says, but when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything. Read this together. Will reward you. It says, give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything, will reward you. We do it between us and the Lord. It's our little secret. And that's what makes it so fun. And I want to clarify something here. I am not saying this uh, uh, because we're in financial trouble at the church or I'm just you know, doing this plea for money. I am doing this so that you can be free from being possessed by your possessions. That you can have the freedom that even if you lost everything tomorrow, you would be fine. That like Paul, he said, you know what? I know, I know great wealth, and I also know being absolutely destitute, and it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter to me one bit. I am going to serve Jesus no matter what. And that's the whole thing. The, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and we are so bound by it. We worry, and we think about it, and we strive, and we overwork, and we forfeit our family, and we do all these things for money. Think about that. How ridiculous that is. And that's the reason that I'm so passionate about this topic because you can live in freedom from that bondage, freedom from greed and freedom from materialism and freedom from just constantly thinking about money or the lack of money. <clears throat> Excuse me. God bless you. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Make Jesus your treasure. Make peace with God what you seek. The Father who sees everything will reward you. So this brings up another question. Okay, remember back in chapter 5 where it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven? Remember we talked about that? A lot of people try to say this, this is a contradiction. But what Jesus is talking about is your motivation. That, that if you... If you do it unto the Lord and you do it in secret, that's your motivation. But it doesn't say that, oh, you can't do anything good. You can't do any nice things for people. But what is your motivation? 
Your motivation is to bring glory to God. So that's what the difference is. It's not that they're in, in contrast with one another. They're actually the same thing. Do it unto the Lord. Always do it unto the Lord. But don't do it to get the praise of people, which will fizzle out and won't last and won't be eternal. Whenever you're tempted to hide, that's probably where you should show. And where you're tempted to show, that's probably where you should hide. Okay? We should do good deeds in front of other people, but not so that they give us the old pat on the back. It's so that our Father in heaven is glorified. It is so that they can see Jesus in and through us, okay? I love Psalm 139. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to do or say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me, your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Everything we do, he's watching. He's watching all of it. He knows all of our secrets. He knows everything we think. He knows everything we say, even before we say it. And this is the father of whom it is said, do this in secret between you and him, and he will reward you. Aren't you curious about that? The reward? I'm so curious. I, I'm so curious. What is the reward, God? Is it, is it now? Because I can guarantee you that it is, and it can be now. There is such a giddiness and such an excitement that comes through being able to bless somebody else in secret where they don't even know it. John 3.30 says, he must increase and I must decrease. I want to challenge you this week as we go ahead with this message. You can come on up. I want to challenge you. <clears throat> I want you to think about someone that you can bless this week in secret. Okay? I talked earlier on how we've grown in our love for one another and our commitment to one another but I want you to think about somebody that you can really bless. So now I want you to tell your neighbor, no, not really, keep it accountable. <clears throat> Excuse me, but think about someone you can bless. I want to ask you, please do not do me. Do not bless me, okay? I really mean that. I, I'm not, I'm not, I never want to use this, this position to get people to serve me, okay? So, Think of someone that you can serve or give to or bless in secret, just between you and God. Okay, I want you to think about that. I, and I got rebuked. I've been rebuked several times, so I want to apologize. You know, I told you that story about being in Costco and not asking anybody for help because that's an issue I'm kind of trying to work through. So I just want you to know I've already been rebuked several times, so you can lay off. <laughs> you don't have to keep rebuking me for that. I'm, I'm growing in that area. It's hard for me to ask for help, and I know it's probably hard for most of us. 
but I really want you to think about someone that, that may be in need or someone who needs to be encouraged. And I want to just challenge you. Make a commitment to God that you're going to bless someone. Could you stand up? Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you so much for your promise that, that when we give in secret, just between you and me, Lord, your promise is that you will reward us. You will reward each one of us. Lord, and we don't want to let our, our left hand know what our right hand is doing. God, we want, to, we want to do it in such a way that we're so unattached to it. We're so uh, unmotivated to be greedy. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for our focus on money. Forgive us for being so bound by money. Lord, forgive us for being possessed by our possessions. Let us give generously, Lord. Let us give freely. Lord, let us be people who are known and are characterized by giving. And we just thank you, Lord, for your promise to reward us, God. And we just anticipate a deeper walk with you and, and knowing you more. There's nothing else that matters. Knowing you, that is all that matters. Thank you, Lord. If you're a person who has never received the grace of God, you've never felt that forgiveness from God, or you've never prayed or committed to know him, just want to encourage you today, either come up and talk to me afterwards or, or maybe the person that brought you, you can ask them. I'll just tell you briefly what the good news is. The good news is that every single one of us is imperfect. Every one of us has, has blown it in some way. And God knows that. But God is a perfect God. And he therefore became a human being and walked upon the earth and never, ever sinned. And then he went and paid the penalty in his death on the cross so that we could be reconciled with God. When we receive that forgiveness and when we open ourselves up and, and surrender to God, we, it's, the Bible says, then we can be saved. So if you have never made that commitment or done that, today is the day of your salvation. So I just want to encourage you Come up and talk to me or talk to someone who brought you. I also want to challenge you to bless somebody in secret this week, as I mentioned earlier. But I also want to challenge you to make that your lifestyle. Don't just do it one time. Have a lifestyle of generosity. Have a lifestyle of giving things away, okay? All right. Can you just turn and hug a couple of people before you go? God bless you. See you next week.